Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy Hello, Marty. Good to see you. Good to see you, Kathy. Been a while, crocodile. <laughs> Marty Huck is the um, founding director of Infinite Edge, and you are the best person I know to describe a little bit about what your company does. I am. Thank you. <laughs> I should be. I hope so. <laughs> so, yeah. So we we uh, at Infinite Edge we. You know, the boring way of saying what we do is we are in IT and cybersecurity, but obviously that's not a great elevator pitch. Um, the, what it is that we like to, to call, um, so what we call the, um, what, so, uh, again, tongue twisted, we like to help our big clients elevate their cyber intelligence. Yeah. That's that's the term we like to use. And and we've, we've I would say we invented that term, but we've, we've kind of coined it. Um, it has been sort of flowing around a little bit from different vendors that we've used, but the way we use it is unique. Um, and really what it means is that we help our or help businesses optimize and secure their time, team and technology. So the three T's uh-huh. um, and tight, it's, a, it's a little bit of a take on a well-known framework in this industry, which is people process um, and technology. So, uh, and so the time is all about process. But we we just felt that time was a little bit more spoke to our clients a bit more because it's all about getting your time back. So if you have good processes in place, as you would know, Kathy, because you're a coach, I uh, love processes. You 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 know you, you're more efficient. You've got you but you mm. get time back. You know and and you're actually setting yourself up, your team up, and the business up for success. So it's actually the order is really important. So time has to be addressed first. The processes mm. then that sets your people up for success. So your team. And only then, once you've got those sorted, you should put the technology behind. Mm-hmm. And so the danger that we see nowadays in with businesses is that technology is so easily accessible. And you can just go and do a Google search and say, what's the best CRM, for instance? And then you can just Google that, get some comparisons, and you can just sign up to it without any sort of training or implementation. And a lot of business owners do this. And then they run into a world of pain because they don't really think it through. They don't have a framework for choosing technology. Yeah, yeah. You know, information doesn't necessarily t- like they don't integrate perhaps, or they don't they don't talk to each other. And then they they they're you know six months down the track and realize that it doesn't talk to zero or something. And now they have to manually export and import data. Or I'm sure you'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> Breaks out in hives, or it's all stored on a USB. And where is that damn thing? Yeah. And then all of a sudden Zapier comes along and yes, but that's a whole beast in itself. And then a zap breaks and things don't work anymore, right? So um <laughs> I got the subscription notification for Zapier last week and it's the fastest thing I've ever paid in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
but it is it's interesting so um so we uh, even though we're a tech company we so we say that everything should work on paper so the process side of it is really important and you really need to mind map it map it out and go okay how does this work how does it work for my business and only then once you know how your business when you're clear on how mm. it works and you do that by looking at reviewing your processes as you would know um and refining them and improving them and then you can go okay now i can go and choose technology based on you know what are the what are the must-haves what are the would be mm. not what are the not so important things that sort of stuff and have like a yeah. actually yeah. Got framework for that which we help clients um you know to choose their technology with but it's really important and yeah, so a lot of people run to run to that trap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I hear very similar um, kind of narrative uh, from allied health business owners that they invest in the technology, often quite a lot of money in the technology, whether it's a phone or a um, iPad type thing or a laptop or whatever. And there's a sense that tick the box, that thing's done, that bit's done. But what you guys do as I understand it is you look at how the humans use the technology and the, you know, the strengths, weaknesses, opposite, op- um, opportunities and threats associated with that. Because sometimes when I ask a couple of extra questions, it turns out that there's client data on all on the C drives of laptops all over the business. And I'm going, oh, turns out that all sorts of IP is sitting on a USB you know, remember one instance, it sat in a box on the top of the fridge, um, things like that. So it's yes. the hardware is exciting and you get that sense of the unboxing, but <laughs> that's really where the intelligence starts. So um, well, I think it's important to also say that, that, you know, I like to, one thing I like to say often is technology is not going to fix everything. Yeah. And it's not going to fix a missing or broken process. A lot of people think it is. So they think it's going yep. to be into their problem. So when I see people on business forums go, what's the best CRM? It's such a loaded question. It's like, well, what are you using it for? What do you, do you need? Yeah. MRP? Do you need to just manage your contact database? Like yep. so many different things you could do with just a CRM. You need to be very clear because that some of them are really good at one thing and some of them aren't so good at other things. So so that's important, but also like you just touched on, you, knowing where your data lives, that's so important. <laughs> In an industry like Allied Health where, you, uh, where you're you subject to the Australian privacy principles and the notifiable data breach laws, you know, you need to know where your data is, you need to know what kind of data you're storing and you need to make sure that you are onboarding and offboarding team members. And that's another thing that we saw um, as a real gap in most businesses, not just at your industry and we work with allied health businesses but um there is a huge gap and a huge missed opportunity because when they're onboarding new team members businesses don't give the new team members enough training they don't yeah. you know, they just send them into the deep end they like every business has different tech tools right how much training actually goes into a new team member uh to get them to a certain skill level so having a solid onboarding process is really important and then also the offboarding process so that you Make sure that close the gate. Them anymore, right? So mm. yeah, it's super important. Mm. Let's go back to where we were um, chatting a few minutes ago about you guys owning this concept of cyber intelligence. So talk us through a little, like what what is what is this thing? So we realised uh, quite a few years ago now um, that. 
we used to we used to talk about cybersecurity as a separate thing, right? And then yeah. a lot of people in our industry still do, right? So there's cyber, there's IT, and there's cybersecurity. Now we realise that the, they, those things aren't um, mutually exclusive. They you, you can't interchange. Mm. Like, you can't. They cross over all the time. In fact, every time you interact with technology, you should be thinking about cybersecurity. That's where we are at now in this day and age. That's how much risk is out there, especially for a business. So, and unfortunately, you know, I, I'm a big advocate that this should start early on in school, so people, so the kids already learn from it at a very, very early age, because we're all sort of behind the eight ball here, and education is really lacking in 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 this country, but also globally, and so. People don't know what they don't know. So they're using technology, but they don't think about the risk and they don't think about cybersecurity. Mm. It's this, this weird, strange other thing. It won't happen to me. Some guy in a hoodie is trying to attack them all the mm. time. My IT guy is going to just protect me from all that. And that's just the, the common misconception and and is, is actually really wrong because um, that's why I say, so that's why we say optimise and secure. So we help businesses optimize their technology and their team and their processes, underlying processes. But we also, all along the way, we actually help secure them as well. And cybersecurity is not just a tech problem; it's a it's a whole an entire business problem, and it involves mm. processes in the business. So it can be as simple as a process. You know, do you have a process for uh, for when someone tells you that they're changing their account details, like a, a client or a supplier, right? Because if you don't then you might get caught out. And that happens all the time. You know, the breaches that we've worked on with clients or with businesses that have come to us are usually because someone has not had the process in place and they've been scammed. So they've had, they've received an invoice from a so-called um, supplier or that, that says that we've changed our bank details. It's a very common, uh, and by the way, it's not a hack. It will, oh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. <laughs> very common because it's so effective and people mm. for it. And then they pay it and they're paying the wrong, the, 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 the scammers instead of the, the actual supply. Yeah. The money disappears and it's it's something that could be easily avoided if you just had a process. And it could be as simple as picking up the phone. Hey, is you have you really changed your bank account? details and no we haven't okay great this is not you then so you know and that's that's really important part of it so yeah like i said it, it's not it has to be combined you can't separate the two and unfortunately it's such a complex uh, industry of cybersecurity. Yeah. always changing the threat landscape's always changing there's so many risks there's so many things to keep on top of that the poor it providers especially if there's, you know, solo heroes, which there are a lot of them out there, are starting to shut shop because they can't keep up. And there's this expectation and pressure on them that they're supposed to be across cybersecurity and they're just not. You know, they know some basics, but they don't know everything that you need to know as a business these days. And yeah. so, you know, we really made a conscious choice to upskill our team and constantly keep them upskilled because we realised that, um, there's a huge gap again. You know, everyone we have the relationship with the clients. Um, they expect us to look after cybersecurity. We didn't have the skills once upon a time, and if we went to an external cybersecurity consultant, they don't do any implementation. They'll charge you thousands of dollars for an audit, but they won't do anything about it. They'll hand it to your IT guy who won't know what to do. Probably, mm -hmm. so it's a huge problem with this with uh, you know with the cybersecurity industry. Yeah, how fast is the scene moving? I'm, 
I'm just thinking of you upskilling and keeping your team up trained, but I just wonder, is is you guys must be learning something new about this every week. Look, it, oh. head spins, Kathy. I yeah. Tell you. Look, and and I, we can't, we don't, we never say that we know everything, and there's we, we're always learning something. Like mm. it, we can't be across everything and every threat and everything. That, and but we have we have some amazing partners in terms of the tools that we use, which can really make a difference. Um, we base our the cybersecurity aspect of what we do on the Australian Essential Eight uh, framework, which is a cybersecurity Australian Cybersecurity Centre. It's their their Australian framework. You know, Australia has, uh, sorry, America has like uh, HIPAA and and, mm-hmm. and there's CIS and all that, and there's GDPR in Europe. Europe. So Australia has their own, but it's it's not quite comprehensive enough. So we've 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 added to that because it doesn't cover things like people. Or, or cloud, for that matter, which is surprising, but it doesn't. And so we've added extra ones, extra um, steps along the way, and we just make sure that we get all of our clients to a certain level, and there's like a maturity level, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So if if cybersecurity is a whole of business problem, how do you how do you tackle that? Yeah. So again, the the biggest misconception uh is that it is not a business problem and that it's the, an it problem right so so businesses yeah. say, i don't even know where to start i'm just gonna I, I some of them even just go i i'm pretty sure my it providers across it they don't even know but they just assume mm. right um those that don't think that and just go okay they might talk to their it provider they'll just go can you look after our cyber security yep no worries that's that done and then that then they just wipe their hands of it and go well my it provider's doing it now doesn't work for it to have an effective strategy in a business you need to drive it from within you have to own it and every organization has to understand it so it from the from the day that a new team member gets inducted they have to be inbred into that sort of culture to say okay this is really important to us we have tra- regular training training is such an important thing for cybersecurity because people are always the weakest link doesn't matter how much technology you mm. have you can't fully protect yourself. You'll never be able to do that. And, you know, we always say everything is hackable, which is true. So is that it, kind of like one of the riskiest intersections is the humans and the, the software? 100%. So yeah. it's always, and, and the majority, if you look at the stats, so if you go to the OAIC, which is the commissioner in charge of like the notified mm. data breach, they have a quarterly report. They'll tell you how many reported data breaches there were and what kind of the nature of those breaches always on top of human error so it's and by human error it might not even be something it might be something that seems so trivial right so it might be your receptionist accidentally sends a confidential document to the wrong email address yeah suddenly you're like well this is a data breach never done that (laughs) so it happens so commonly and Mm. and and now with AI and ChatGPT and things like that. It's like, well, what information are you feeding into this AI chatbot, right? Are you using names? Are you using businesses' names? Are you using personal information? A lot of people just copy and paste. All of these things are just adding to the complexity. But look, they're really, I think we'll never really be able to 100% address this because Mm. humans are um, easily manipulated. And that's why they call it social engineering. Because, yep. you yeah. have, because they're trying to trick you. 
and you know and they'll always be able to get someone you know there'll be someone they'll be they'll be able to get and it's usually just not just someone unfortunately it's usually lots of people so why it's such a industry yeah here's a question for you i should have found you at the time i heard um a story earlier in the year that an employee opened an email that came through her work email and it turned out to be a scam and she lost two or three thousand dollars and the story runs that she then blamed the employer yeah I, I, analyze yeah. that i see i see quite a few of those yeah so yeah Probably thought, well, how can that even come through? Because you probably you needed to have cybersecurity in place and security. So, yeah, like I said, the reality is that the, the all of those security tools are a step behind the hack, the the hackers and the scammers. And now we're going to make a distinction in a second. Yes, we will. Uh, but they're always a step behind. So that's why you see phishing emails come through, even if you're using something like Microsoft 365 or Google Workspace, which mm. has pretty decent spam filters, even out of the box, you can always tweak them and make them stricter. But um, we get clients always say, well, why are these coming through? I thought we pay you to secure our systems. Mm. It's because they're so clever. They always think of a way to, to get through the, the filters and then the filters have to catch up, right? Same with antivirus programs. Someone will build a virus that the antivirus program doesn't know anything about, and so it has yeah. to learn. And then, then it's always a step behind. And by then, the damage is probably done, right? So that's why training is so important. You got to teach your team how to spot these things so they don't click on something, they don't fall for it, right? And I mean, she might have an argument in terms of if they don't offer mm. training, mm. but at the same time, you've got to take responsibility. And that's what brings me to the, my point about. The scammers versus hackers. Right? <laughs> Let's go there. Let's go there. It is, un you know, I don't like to shame people when it comes to cybersecurity because I'm not one of those people that goes, you know, oh, you, you know, you should know better and all mm. this. There are people in our industry that are like that. But I, I take it at um, a bit more of an empathetic approach and go, well, people don't know what they don't know. Yeah. They haven't been educated how they're supposed to learn. All right. So, so. That that needs to change, I think, in, and and I think the government's already starting to do a lot of changes there. But the the problem is that people also don't like to take ownership and responsibility. If if they've been totally honest with themselves, to say that you've been scammed, it's basically saying that you fooled you into something. And no one yeah. wants to admit that, right? The reality is, every single cyber incident, unless it was say a malicious um, uh, a team member that perhaps did something they shouldn't have done because they were angry or something like that mm. happens too. Most, pretty much everything, if not most of them, are scams and not hacks. The hacks are actually not that common. So when you when you talk what you're talking about, Kathy, like the ones where you get a phishing email, they're not hackers sending this. They're scammers, and they're not very sophisticated. And I'd hate to say that because people go, "Oh, no, they're not. They're pretty creative. Those email addresses. Yeah, but they've got a They're systemized, yes, but they're not. Yeah. So there are known cases of you know, um, and I'm not going to just pick on Nigeria because there's other countries that do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Known cases of Nigerian universities that have been started up just to teach these scammers how to do these things so they they can they know how to create a phishing email they know what to then do once they've got the credentials because what the phishing email does is it tries to get you to put in your username password to something and then they have access to your account 
and they manually log into it. It's not like an automated process. A person's actually sitting there logging into people's accounts with stolen credentials, and they might have got them from a phishing email. They might have got them from a data breach like Optus or Medibank that's then been leaked mm. to the dark web. And if you have the same passwords across all your accounts, which a lot of people do, that's how they get in. So, and if you don't have multi-factor turned on, easy, easy yeah. target, right? And that's the scam. It's the scam. And then they'll 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 sit there and look in your email. This is the most common one we see. They'll wait for an invoice. So they're targeting people ideally that send an invoices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Invoice to go out. Then they jump on that invoice from your account. They'll change it. They'll send an email out as you to your client and say, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to see it. We sent you the wrong invoice. We've got a new account details. Here's the right one. Looks exactly the same. Your client trusts you and it's come from you, so they may not question it and then they pay usually an Australian bank account that's been somehow opened up through, again, mm. ways, and then the money's gone before anyone can find out anything and they don't, they won't get it back. And insurance won't cover it because... You haven't suffered a loss technically. You just haven't been paid. They won't want to pay you again. The banks, by the time they've, you know, gone through all their privacy mm. barriers and all that, it's not going to get anywhere. And no, no one usually gets blamed or pinged for these things. So it's really unfortunate. And so that's why I think it's so important to to for people to start to admit that they need to do something about this and that they are being scammed. That not some guy. Some clever guy in a hoodie, like they always, in the <laughs> yeah, news, yeah, is actually clever enough to sit there and steal thousands of dollars off you. That's not what happened. Running a business isn't just about setting up shop and becoming complacent. It's about showing up for ourselves and our clients with a commitment to continuous improvement. We have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at and where we're going. That means identifying strengths and weaknesses so we can improve. After all, if we're remaining stagnant, how can we scale and build the business and life of our dreams? That's where the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz comes in. We're not talking horoscopes and pulsopia. This questionnaire is the perfect starting point for you to begin identifying your strengths, needs, and blind spots as an allied health business owner. The process is simple. Answer the 14 questions and we'll send you a personalized report that includes actionable steps for you to start taking your business to the next level. Ready to take your business into your own hands? Take the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz Quiz today. Right. Well, looking for some good news now. I don't quite know where that's going to come from. Um, but uh, I think we all got a bit of a a bit of a jolt with Optus and Medibank as as well. Was that last year? Now, I mean, yeah, I'm surely sure. they had their stuff together, but apparently not. No. And then the bigger the organisation, the often the harder it is because they for them to make changes to, to keep up with the threat landscape. It, you know, take anything in a large organisation takes ages. The bureaucracy, the the red tape, the decision makers that have to be involved. <laughs> so. There's always gaping holes in those. And, yeah, like I said, I'm still paying for it. I, I was one of the victims, and I now cannot do anything with my MyGov when it comes to my tax, with the ATO portal, with my tax file number, because someone's tried to use it fraudulently. The only thing I can do is put a permanent lock on it, which means every time I want to do anything with MyGov and the ATO, I have to ring them, oh. lock it for 24 hours, then I can do what I need to do, and then it gets locked again. And the last time you did that, Kathy, guess what happened? I was, what on, happened? I was on hold for about an hour. I finally got through 
they they had trouble authenticating me because I'm not a uh, another story. I'm not a, I'm not an Australian citizen. I'm a permanent resident. Yeah, yeah. okay, that is another story. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but it means I'm not going to have a certain security, right? So they had yeah, to yeah. let me. And then all of a sudden he tells me, oh, our system's broken. You have to call back tomorrow. <gasps> I can't do anything. Else. Anyway, so that's how frustrating it can be. And, you know, I've heard people have been, you know, uh, defrauded out of fake tax. Yeah. Yeah. It's and refunds and all this. And it's really hard once you've been a victim of identity fraud or theft mm. to really prove that the opposite. It's really hard. It's so unfortunate. Yeah. The um, examples that we sort of alluded to so far have been via email, but I don't know about you, how many uh, dodgy SMSs do you get a week? A lot. And <laughs> and as a business owner, this is it's terrible I have to say this, but I don't answer any phone calls that I don't recognize the phone number because Me too. That's two of us. I've got your I've got your number in my phone, so you're good. Yeah. Like what if it's a sales opportunity? I'm like, well, I'm they're just going to have to leave a message, unfortunately. Exactly right. Oh, my gosh, you won't believe my phone has just started ringing with a number I don't know. So there you go. Just It's relentless. It's, and there's not much you can do about it. Even yeah. doing call registers is not going to help because there's a, most of them are scammers now. And, and I probably get 10 or 15 calls a day that yeah. are just from wherever they are and they don't leave a message. I don't know what. I don't know why they're phoning. They have, they have now tools where they can actually spoof numbers, which means that they can pretend to call from someone else. So <laughs> call them back. It's actually someone who doesn't. I know. I've um, had that issue with uh, with my bank. Yeah. And then the other one that's scary now with the, talking about AI is I think it, it, they need like three or four seconds of your voice to be able to completely um, uh-huh. fabricate sentences. So. They can win you. You can. They can say, "Is this Kathy Love?" You'll say, "No." This is, or, or say, they'll say, "Is this, uh, I don't know, Regina Smith?" And you'll say, "No, it's mm-hmm. not." And then that's all they need. They hang up. Then they can actually use your voice in, and use that for a scam. And so they might then ring one of your customers yep. and and say, "Hey," or one of your team members and say, "Hey, I want you to transfer some money before me." Is that a you know? Something like that. It's, it's scary, really scary. Yep. I think the bank stuff is scary because I'll get a text from the bank and I won't know if it's friend or foe. So, mm. yeah, I've got to jump through. Uh, I think we've got a bit of a segue here to um, AI and if we focus in on chat GPT, um, for sure it's super exciting and, um, you know, the the drug of choice at the moment. But what are the what do you see to be the risks around using it? Well, yeah. We are having a ball with it. Let it be said, but huge risks, Kathy. I mean, look, yeah. it's such an unregulated space, and that's the biggest problem. Mm. You know, if you ask any lawyer, they just they're freaking out. Not only probably because of their own jobs, in a sense, because it, <laughs> there's still yes. a lot of people who think that they're going to lose their jobs. But and look, that may be the case for certain sort of. Um, certain industries, but it would change jobs is more like is a more accurate description. And yep, and, yep. You, and create new jobs as well. Like prompters can, have got a decent sort of salary package globally at the moment. If you leverage it, then you can then you can do, make it work it make it work to your advantage. And it's only as good, just like with Google, right? It's as only as good as the yep. person using it. And what I've learned from using it as and we use it extensively as well is that it it really teaches you how to. Ask better quality questions, which is always a great skill, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. 
to to get it to get out of it what you want. But where it's really scary is it's unregulated, like I said, and there's a lot of gray areas in terms of the legalities. So who owns the the material that comes out of it, right? So can yeah. you use that and then claim it to be your own? You know, there's people who are writing books with ChatGPT and stuff like that. Like, can they mm. do? There's cases of where um, I heard the other day someone, um, you know, ACDC fans, uh, someone created um, Highway to Hell, but you, using the and I always forget the other AC. I, I bet you no one's an ACDC fan. This <laughs> one is the other one. They use the other voice and switch. <gasps> That it sounds much better, and then it started this debate. And oh. there's someone who's no longer with us, their voice, and what kind of copyright infringements are, does that you know raise? And and they had Johnny Cash singing Barbie Girl, you know, it's his voice, right? So it's all these sort of things. And and what we always say to clients as well, though, is you've really got to be careful about the think about what information. This doesn't just go for JGPT, by the way. It's the mm. same thing that you're putting out onto the internet. Think about what information you're putting out there all the time. Like, don't just aimlessly give away stuff. Don't just copy and paste. And if you do, try and admit certain sensitive information like names and addresses and yep. company IP. So if you've got a great idea and you sit there and you're like, you want to put a business plan together and you go, you chuck in your great new idea that no one's ever come up with before and tell JetGPT to create a business plan for you. Well, you're someone else, you've now fed your IP into the system. So yeah. someone get that back when they ask for an idea or something. You know what I mean? Like it's so that's things that you just need to be careful of. And and if you haven't, and a lot of people, this is the case not just for JGPT, but any cloud app, um, because it doesn't force you to turn on multi-factor. Because and there was also things in there that you can tweak. You can actually make sure that you can clear your history, for instance. I know that's annoying because sometimes you want to go back, but. That way, if it was ever breached, you don't have confidential stuff in there. Mm. You can also opt out to some <laughs> of um, uh, the data analytics and, and data collection that they do. Um, there's all mm. things to turn off, but you've got to go into the settings. Um, but, yeah, definitely multi-factor. Just make sure you've got strong passwords, unique passwords, and turn on multi-factor. Um, and just be very wary of what you're putting in. <laughs> yeah. We were looking at the plugins yeah. Uh, as well like that is just a rabbit warren of it is and you don't know thoughts. you don't know what's happening there like we're, yeah. what are you sharing your data with right so all of a sudden you've got a third-party plugin yes they're great and there's some amazing ones there right so there's ones now that search the web so you can actually mm-hmm. to find more current because everyone sort of some people say oh chat is only current to a certain to 2021 or something like oh, that oh it's just a plug-in away from everything you could possibly want um, you can even you know what I'll do often is I'll grab um, articles and just paste them into it and say, okay, read these and summarize them for me and put them yep. in dot point form, which is awesome. And yes, it's a great tool, great time saver. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good way to lose uh, uh, an hour in the sunshine. Yeah. Uh, what What are your thoughts on cyber insurance? Yeah. Okay. So. So cyber insurance is a bit of a, it's an area that, um, it's again another grey area for me, mm. not just for me, but but I think for our people in my industry, definitely. I'm reluctant to to recommend it um, at this stage. It's a very immature thing still in this country. So it's much more mature in other countries. 
Um, and the reason it's and, and the result of it being immature means that there's a lot of bad policies out there. So people don't really read the fine print and don't realize that there's certain limitations to the policy. Mm. So they may not get the payout that they want if they had a cyber incident or a breach or something like that. The other thing that really concerns me is that the insurers are actually working against us in especially in Australia. Um, there there are insurers out there that will take your money, even if you don't have cyber insurance, cyber security in place, they'll just charge you more. So they're happy to then pay you out, but you're actually not solving the root problem. Not solving the problem. Yeah. Really, as a collective here, work towards this fighting this cyber security for this cyber crime because they were never going to get, it's only going to mm. get worse and it's going to make our lives hell. So, so it's just really frustrating that, that insurers are doing that. But the good, the better ones, they, that's really important to know is the better policies and they may start regulating this as well. So this is why it's really important to have a good policy. You will have to do certain things to even get insurance. Uh, so like I'm talking about things by cybersecurity, certain cybersecurity in place to even get it. And in some cases, you may not have to do everything to get the insurance, but when they pay out, they'll go, oh, you know what, we gave it to you. However, you didn't have multi-factor in place and that breaches our policy. It's on section 13 line whatever it is and that mm. you won't get your payout so, yeah. so again i think the best advice i can give is just you know work with a cyber expert to actually know what your what your requirements are and and get them get them in place because you're going to be better off as a business anyway you've got an obligation mm. to your clients and customers to look after their data we are going to start to get more stricter rules in place and we're going to have to do it so gdpr type laws are going to come into australia there's no doubt and i just always say to business owners is just do it now before you have to have to because you're going to have to scramble one day if they change the laws and then you'll have you may not have budgeted for it and it's going to be absolutely chaotic chaotic for mm. you to scramble to get it all in place while when they when they do introduce those sort of laws yeah, I was interested to hear you say that uh, Australia is behind in its standards and behind in its lightweight policies because I always thought Australia were was pretty um, quick on the uptake with technology. Yeah, no, look, so if I – we're actually quite behind, like, if in, in certain – in terms of, like, the maturity of even the, the – what they call the IT managed services space, so that's the traditional um, uh, term for an IT provider, right? Uh it's we're actually behind the states. Mm. Like they're a lot more mature in the way that they, um, the way that they, the industry has developed and matured. Uh, and when it comes to policies, the we've only just got the first ever dedicated cybersecurity minister in government. So in the past, it used to be bundled in with the minister for home affairs, and they had no idea or had no idea mm -hmm. of cybersecurity. I, I was at a lunch once with one and. It's a worth sharing the story. They did a round table of, you know, it was a, it was an election um, uh, publicity stunt, right? It was just for the election. And, you know, round table, we, we want to hear your concerns. And there were a couple of cybersecurity experts in there. And one of the shop owners said, can't the government just build an app that protects us from everything? And she's like, oh, that's a, the minister's just like, that's a, <gasps> yeah, we'll write that down and we'll take that. To, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> 
It's not that simple. And but, oh. but uh, Claire, I've just had a blank. Claire, but it's the current cybersecurity minister, the first one of of a kind. She's great, and she's she's on the warpath. She really wants to make a difference, and really wants to mm. tighten the policies and the laws. They've already made changes to the privacy policies. And, and the penalties to larger businesses on, in the wake of Optus and Medibank breaches. Yeah. Um, and she's, I think she's doing a pretty good job, you know, for, for a first first uh, cybersecurity minister. Wow. Good to know that we've uh, even got one, didn't even know. Yeah. Very good, very good. All righty. So what are your parting words for allied health business owners to think about in regards to all of the things? Yeah, I think, look, I think we talked a lot about cybersecurity because it is a very hot topic. Yeah. Um, I think there's, from a holistic point of view when it comes to technology, like I said earlier, it's really important to, to if you're in this day and age, to optimise your tech um, because you'll fall behind otherwise. If you're not on top of AI and automation, well, mm-hmm. that's on top. if you're not already having the conversations and not already starting to implement into your business, you are in risking that you're going to fall behind your competitors um and so that's really important that you that you spend that time and you would know this Kathy you'd probably tell your clients this to have strategic thinking time and mm. the sort of thing that a business owner starts to start looking into um but like I said before every time you think about technology and have a discussion about technology what are the risks what are the risks and what are the things that we need to be aware of like what where where is our data sitting what are we doing with that data is it secure? Um, you know, are we looking after our patients um, uh, in confidentiality? Are we at risk for any sort of breaches? Is our team skilled enough? Do they know? Do they even know what to do when they get a phishing email? Do they know what to do if they click on it and give away their credentials? What's mm. have an incident response plan in place? Like, who are they going to report it to? Um, who do they have to report it to? All those sort of things are really important. And and I look, it is really difficult. I think for any business owner because unfortunately uh, the government doesn't really make it easy for you to find out what your responsibilities are if you go to the government websites and if you go to the australian cybersecurity website it's like they're written anything to do with security, it's like they're written by text for text it's not it's not easy to read and they really the mere mortals yeah they need to do more to to they need to have ads on tv they need to really just bring this to to you know to the everyday person and that's what we love doing is we like to talk talk to people on their language uh, in their language mm. on their level and like i said not be judgmental if we have a client that says we have nothing in place we don't sit there and go oh i can't believe you i can't believe that it's terrible we'll just go that's okay we'll yep. start now it's okay mm. never never too late to start and if anything if nothing else start with one thing and then you're already one step better than you yep. were Right, so 1% better than yesterday. Absolutely. Take a, it's like, what's that saying? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Poor elephant, but yeah, (laughs) it's a goodie. It's a goodie. Marty, thank you so much. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm mindful of sort of every time we chat, it just is a higher level and more intensity and more detail and actually more complicated as well. So longer you wait, uh, I guess the more you've got to put in place perhaps in a shorter time frame. Then I don't know if you talk to your clients about the, the futures model. Of, mm. yeah, so, you know, it's like that. If you're sort yep, of shorter now, the longer you go along, the more you're going to drop away and the more you're going to have to, the more ground you're going to have to make yeah. up. So, and I know there's a lot 
to worry about as a business owner. And and this is just one more of those things, unfortunately. But it is the cost. It is one of those essential costs of doing business, and it it needs to be, like I said, owned by every business owner. And and my advice too is also, by the way, to if you're going to, you don't have to be the the one in the business, the business owner, to actually drive this. But mm. we recommend appointing a cybersecurity champion. Um, so we often will say that with clients that we onboard will say appoint a champion, a tech and a cybersecurity champion. They're the, they can be the person that we liaise with and that we sort of we give them the advice and they take that back to the team. But they, you need to drive it from within, not the other way around. Like we shouldn't be driving your cybersecurity policy for you. It should be you that, that are telling us what to do. Like we'll guide you and we'll hold your hand, mm. tell you what needs to be done, but it needs to be driven by you. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kathy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on naker.com.au. And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.